Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 43. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Quick, easy introduction. Jordan, how's it going? Hello my baby, hello my darling. Hello my ragtime gal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, what we've been playing. Uh, once again, not too busy a week for me. I've actually been playing two games that we received codes for. Um... So I was playing. I've been playing the Banner Saga still. Still haven't finished it. Been playing in spurts. Um, that's a game that I don't like to play unless I'm like heavily paying attention to it. Um, so I haven't really found time to sit down and sink my teeth in again because um, I really want to pay attention to that game. I've also been playing Rise and Shine, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with. They did a, yeah, they did a weird PR thing where they sent people ponchos. Um, <laughs> so Rise and Shine is a 2D platformer that has a lot of heavy nods to video games like they it, to the point of almost cringy a little bit like the game is well made but like so you start off in a mall and the bad guys look like uh cogs from gears of war on purpose there they he exists on game world the gun he gets was being carried by legendary warrior who looks exactly like link but in a blue tunic um like, the stores in the mall are named after video game characters. Like, there's Blazinski's chainsaws and, like, you know, a lot of references and stuff. It's very cutesy and um, kind of breaks the fourth wall a lot. It's fine. It's not anything crazy. It's just a fun game. I don't, I don't think it's a good game at all, really. But it's fun. So, um, yeah, I don't know how much you guys have seen of it. The kid's name is Rise. The gun's name is Shine. That's why it's called Rise and Shine. Like... It's, it's definitely not going to be an oh, indie game of the year. By I see means, what you did there. Yeah, it's uh, it's just fun. I don't th think it's necessarily a great game, but it is fun. Um, I've played worse, definitely. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's okay. Uh, also, Pit People, uh, I'll be talking about it later in the show, but I got early access to it thanks to the Behemoth. Uh, I'll be talking about that. I love the Behemoth's games. I loved Castle Crashers. Uh, I loved Battle Block Theater. I didn't play Alien Hominid HD, but a lot of people like that game a lot. Uh, their humor is really good, and their their cartoon style is really great. Um, yeah, just funny fart jokes, and just they know who they are, and it's great to see in another game. But I'll get into that later. Uh, for those of you who don't know, just a quick rundown: Pit People is a um, a tactical uh, action game. Uh, think of it kind of like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem. Uh, so it's a turn-based adventure game. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it uh, as far as what I've been playing. What about you guys? So I didn't actually play any video games this week. Um, totally said I was going to play some Batman and some Mass Effect 2, but that didn't really happen because I just got busy. So um, read uh, plenty of books. I finished Star Wars Outbound Flight, which is the... Uh, debut of Admiral Thrawn in uh, the original Star Wars universe. And that's canon, right? That book's canon? No, 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 it's not. Uh, but the author, Timothy Zahn, who wrote and created Thrawn and wrote most of the books that he's in, or all the books that he's in, I should say, um, he they've got him back on for a book called Thrawn that will be canon coming out this spring. Are you excited for that? Super excited for that. That's, do you think um, it's going to be like a collection of those non-canon stories? Like, obviously, like, melded into something a little bit different? Do you think it's going to pull from ooh, those? That's a good point. Um, yeah, so... Um, he's most known for the... Uh, 
the Hand of Thrawn trilogy, I think is what it's called. Um, and that is, uh, includes Heir to the Empire, which is a lot of people consider like the best Star Wars book, uh, ever. And, um, so yeah, I've read that and I've read now Outbound Flight because I went back to the beginning of basically like the Timothy Zahn Star Wars timeline. And okay. so, uh, having read those two books, there's, you know, probably seven more books that I need to read that he's written from Star Wars, but, um, it would be really cool if, uh, if that's the case, because that's kind of what they're doing with, uh, new Star Wars is they're, they're taking their bits and pieces. They're, um, like you said, melding a little bit. And, uh, for the most part so far, I really like what they've done, uh, with the old stuff, with the old bits. Um, so yeah, um, so finished outbound flight and then i've been kind of on a uh fantasy novel kick so i started uh two different fantasy novels one called assassin's apprentice uh by robin hobb which is a pen name for i don't know what her real name is um uh so far that's good and um also started uh a book called elantris by brandon sanderson um Mm. And so, uh, Assassin's Apprentice is basically about this, uh, bastard child of a would-be king, um, who, uh, the part that I got to, he just started, uh, talking to this, like, assassin dude who's gonna, you know, train him up and all this, um, which you guys know how much I love Assassin's Creed and that whole, you know, Dishonored and all those types of games, stealth games in general, so... I'm looking forward to, you know, some stealth action in the novel itself. And then um, Elantris is about this uh, fantasy world where this city called Elantris held these people that were kind of like gods. They had like lighter skin and like really pale hair and they had almost like superpowers. And uh, somehow this um, basically uh, epidemic called the Rayod um, took all took out Elantris the city and gave everybody a disease within the city and they lost all the all their powers and um it also affects people outside the city and they get banished inside the city so it's like turned to this weird bloodborne-esque type world um where inside the city it's like you know all fucked up but then um outside of Elantris's walls they're kind of still living a normal what we would think like medieval-ish life and so, um, two really cool books, um, definitely give me that fantasy vibe. So enjoying that a lot. Nice. What about you, Dom? What have you been playing? Couple things. Finished the Wolf Among Us. That is like some of both, some of Telltale's best work. Like ooh, it was it was good very good. It was very good. Um, and the Run ending. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no problems on uh, PS4. No problems at all. Um. But the ending, in in particular, it was just kind of one of those uh, moments. It was fantastic. Um, I hope it didn't cliffhang for a second season. Oh, no, not really. I mean, you could go. Uh, the thing is, it, 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 there's this whole world, and you could go to a lot of places with it. Yeah. Um. Even with yeah, that, that same... world will survive without the Telltale games. Right. There's there's a lot there, and it was I, I guess a bit of a cliffhanger, but not one that necessarily gets you thinking about what happens next it's more of like a i don't know it it answers one huge question yeah and then sort of leaves 
some other things out in the open that it just works. I don't know how to best to explain it, but I really liked everything about that game. Um, it's a little slow t- for me to begin with, but once I got into it, I was just hooked. Like I was just drawn in. And it took me, you can't just play through this game and get the platinum like most Telltale games. Ooh. Which was interesting. Um, you have to go back and make, and there was only like three or four situations where you had to go back and make a couple different choices than you did the first time to get the trophies, which was odd. Um, it was really easy, so I went and did it anyway, which puts well, me now at you can't platinum. even Now you can't even get a platinum trophy in a, plat, uh, in a Telltale game because of the way they divvy up the episodes. What do you mean? Um, like since like Walking Dead season one, you can get a plat, but two and now three, um, you get episode one. Uh, it's weird. It's like episode. They're oh, okay. all individual games, right? Without a platinum. No, what right? it is. Each episode. What it is is the opposite. So like, um, Walking Dead season one is a full game, but then Walking Dead season two, you get episode one as the game. And then episode two, three, four, five are DLC, so it's not like, you know, like there's no like Witcher three has its platinum, and then Blood and Wine has its own trophy list. Like Blood and Wine couldn't contribute to your main story platinum, you know. So since they consider episodes two through five DLC, that's why it screws up the plot. That's odd. That's weird. Batman, for... Batman had it, um, which is what I was saying. That puts me at three platinums. All Plat- Batman games. has a platinum? Yeah, yeah. That's really weird. I don't know. Maybe they go back and forth on how they <laughs> do them. Anyway, after Wolf Among Us, uh, I also finished Bioshock Infinite, which, really good game. Really good game. It's not the first Bioshock, of course. Um, yeah. But it's still great. But I finished the first chunk of DLC, uh, Burial at Sea, uh, just the first part, because there's a part one and part two. Right. Holy crap. It was phenomenal. Like you were not wrong, Jordan. I need to play well, it. You I hope I hope you can, you know, stick through episode two if you're not super into it because they're very different. The gameplay's totally different, really? story's totally different, all that. Hmm. Interesting. I, I gotta I gotta say, like so to start uh during part one, you're just kinda walking around, um, in rapture, kinda oh, pre so cool pre like before it went crazy and right. complete anarchy right and there's just people around and you're going into these shops and like interacting Which, and that's like the coolest shit like that, that was like oh that's wow. when the that's when the novel takes place but it's so cool to see it um the prequel novel but it's so cool to see like you know visually how they animate the characters and, like, yeah going into the different shops and stuff it's really cool and then of course there's all throughout, there's hints to the first game and, and some bigger uh, uh, lookbacks later on. I, I don't want to spoil. Yeah. But what's the name of that novel? You got me interested. It's just called Bioshock Rapture. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. And I think that was everything I played. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll be even more interested in the novel once you finish episode two because just the way everything connects. Obviously, it already connects. Um because, you know, they connect it in episode one, but it connects even more once you finish. Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised that people were so mad that Infinite was such a different Bioshock game. It's not Bioshock 3. So, like, even yeah. going into it, I wasn't expecting a traditional Bioshock game. Right. So, <clears throat> it was weird that there was such backlash. But, but so was the internet. Well, um, I mean, 
I wish it was more like Bioshock. I like Infinite. I've played it twice now, and it is a great game, like Dom said, but um, I think it'd be cooler if it was more like the original Bioshock, which, you know, that's one of those games that changed a lot. You can see early footage that they debuted, um, and it looks so different. Like, Booker's a different character. Elizabeth looks totally different. Your powers are different, so who knows what that game would have been on the original path they were taking. Reminding of Quantum Break too. I don't know if people remember the first reveals of yeah. Quantum Break. Quantum Break looked completely different. It had a completely yeah. different protagonist. Sean Ashmore um, wasn't the wasn't the protagonist. It was just like a random white dude. Yeah, I kind of look like Alan Wake a little bit. Um, a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's it's interesting. It's always weird with those games that look so different from oh, some games, anyways. Yeah. Um, Let's hop into the news. Uh, so the first bit of news we're going to be talking about is Injustice 2. There was a new story trailer that came out. Uh, Injustice 2, the sequel to everyone's beloved DC NetherRealms fighting game, um, comes out later this year. Uh, it was a pretty interesting trailer. I want to get your guys' feedback on it. It was a story trailer. Um, so the first Injustice centered around um, basically a broken hero in Superman. Um, and, you know, the people love the, comic, the comics for Injustice. They loved him quite a bit. This story uh, trailer... Uh, seems to be, in my opinion, pitting um, Batman as the bad guy in some essence because uh, you see Batman and basically there's a line of dialogue basically saying that he turns his back on what he once defended and it shows Harley Quinn beating somebody to death and he just turns off the monitor. So it seems like he's going to be pitted as the bad guy or at least it's going to be him versus Superman um, and Supergirl. Uh, That's what it seems like to me. It seems like obviously at the end of the trailer you see Brainiac's kind of controlling everything so he's probably going to be the primary villain um you get a pre-order bonus at Darkseid which is interesting um something that's not included in the trailer but something that I thought was cool is that every version of the game has a different cover I don't know if you guys saw this um so the standard edition of the game has Superman the uh deluxe edition has Supergirl and the ultimate edition has Batman and the whole point of this game is the gear you get out on, onto your guys. Like, that's a whole thing is make your hero, right? And um, the Batman cover has him with the kryptonite running through his suit. Uh, Supergirl Very has Very cool look. I love that look. Yeah. And then uh, Superman's obviously has him wearing stuff too. But, uh, yeah, I want to get your guys' opinion on this. It looks cool. I didn't play the first Injustice. I know a little bit about the story. Um, this really intrigues me, though, because uh, I like superhero games and... I don't know if I'll buy this because I'm not very good at fighting games, but I definitely yeah, probably gonna watch fighting. A... It's really not like a superhero game in the way we define that genre. You know, it's yeah, it's really a fighting game, and so it's a fighting my... game with superheroes. Right, right. So, um, yeah, and then a big thing about Injustice the series seems to be its story um, more than other fighting games by far, and you know they got this whole comic. The comic's supposed to be amazing, so. Um, I've got the Ultimate Edition through PS Plus on PS4, and so I've tried playing it a little bit. I need to get back into it. Of course, you know, it's it's a fighting game, and it's not something we're all really used to. Like, I could probably p- pick up and play a sports game way easier just because I played those as a kid, you know. Yep, sports same. <laughs> fighting game, it's like, you really have to uh, know what you're doing there, and so I need to spend some time uh, getting into that, but I'd like to... Uh, you know, go through the comic and go through the first game because supposedly the story's really cool for Injustice. And, you know, of course, I'm a big DC fan, so why would I not want a great DC story? Yeah, I'm with... I'm with you, I'm with, I'm with you guys, too. I don't play... I pretty much have never played a fighting game outside of uh, 
Super Smash Brothers. But I, of course, love not necessarily DC, but uh, Batman in particular. So this yeah, that trailer and the emphasis on the story, yeah, that has me intrigued. And given that this is going to come out in May, the timing may work out where I might pick this up. If that you know. Yeah. Well, you were speculating about who kind of the villain is, Jared, and talking about being a DC fan, like, my favorite DC stories are where they kind of just um, scrap the whole, you know, 70 years of possible canon and lore that they could uh, draw from and just make something totally different, which is exactly what Injustice, the original game, was, where Superman, like, Joker kills Lois Lane, I think, so... Yep. Superman just goes ape shit, and he like turns tyrant on Earth, and it's just fucking awesome from a story standpoint. Like a just a little plot blurb, it sounds so great. So I'd really like to dig in there. Um, yeah, I think I don't think I'll ever go back and play Injustice. I got it on backwards compatibility, or I got it somehow. I have it. Yeah, um, I don't think I'll play through it just because I'm so bad at fighting games, and I don't feel like doing the thing where. You know, you can sit through a couple of matches of losing, and then it makes it super easy, and you can get through. Honestly, I think I'm just going to go to YouTube and watch all the cutscenes for the first Injustice. Um, yeah. Not so. a bad idea. I love, yeah. like, there's plenty of games that I do that for, because it's like, I don't want to play this game, but I do want to experience this story, so why not? Exactly. Um, so, um, one of the big stories that came out recently after the Switch event is people weren't sure if... Um, Nintendo's been really cagey about um, their support for 3DS. They probably still want people to buy 3DSs, and uh, they want to supply new games for them, right? Um, so people are kind of kind of worried about how exactly they're going to support the Switch. And we have an interesting story by way of Polygon. So uh, our boy Reggie, Nintendo of America's president, had a, an interview with Polygon. And uh, he basically stated, uh, from a first-party standpoint, there's no new development coming after the launch of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, we really are at the end of life for Wii U. So we essentially oh, just came talk out about as, Wii U. I thought he was saying for Switch. I was like, Jesus Christ! That's... No, no, he he he's literally coming out and saying that Breath of the Wild is going to be the last first-party game developed for Wii U. Uh, he also sense. states, from our standpoint, sunsetting is quite some time into the future. The ongoing activity from an online standpoint on Mario Kart and Splatoon is significant. We're going to continue to support those. So he's basically saying, like, if you currently own a Wii U, chill. Um, earlier, I was saying 3DS. I meant to say Wii U. That's my fault. I minced my words um but yeah so it's interesting here they're coming out clearly st stating that they're ending first party support on the wii u is this surprising to you guys or is this expected like normally nintendo would be more cagey about this right i don't really remember them st being this clear and defined you know yeah so, i'm glad yeah. they're just getting that out of the way and that's that's something that needs to be said because of the situation that they're in with how you know poorly the wii u did um so, yeah, I'm glad it's out of the way. Yeah, no surprises. I think, yeah, I think this also kind of leans more towards the fact that at least we hope that there's going to be a lot of those ports from Wii U to, to Switch that people didn't get to play because no one bought a, bought a Wii U. Um, so I, I really hope that they kind of, you know, they they fill in the gaps throughout the rest of the year to year and a half from now with the, the ports of the games or maybe just release them all at once or something. But, uh I think it's it's good that they're kind of drawing their line in the sand, and they're like, "Yeah, we're stopping first party support for the Wii U." So, right. I don't think this is a common thing of it get you know releasing both on Wii U and the Switch. So, I think that's really interesting. Um, the last bit of news here: there was a Nintendo Direct, a Fire Emblem Nintendo Direct. Uh, it was pretty well done. It only lasted about twenty minutes, so short and to the point. I'm gonna go over some of the the key things here, and we can chime in about what's the most interesting parts of it. 
So first off, it was actually narrated by Yuri Lowenthal. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a he's a pretty accomplished voice actor. He's uh, done voices in Titanfall 2. Uh, he's done voices in uh, Final Fantasy 15. He was Marth in uh, Fire Emblem Fate. Uh, so he has ties to Nintendo. Um, and he's actually, I was looking at his IMDb, Jordan and I were talking about this for the show, he's going to be Spider-Man and Peter Parker in the uh, PS4 game, the Insomniac da, 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 so, look for him, he's a very good voice actor. Very good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to throw that out because I think he's a very good voice actor and it's cool to hear him narrating it. Um, first, uh, this was this isn't in order of announcements, this is just, I think, in order of importance. Um, so the first thing was Fire Emblem Warriors. We saw this at the Switch event uh, by Koei Tecmo. It's the Dynasty Warriors meets Fire Emblem game. They actually showed additional uh, scenes that weren't in the actual trailer, and uh, I believe it was Krom that was that was involved. Uh, a lot of people, you know, one of their favorite uh, Fire Emblem characters. Krom. This is it for Fall 2017. Um, I don't think anybody's surprised by this. This is cool, but this this is for people who like those type of games you know uh this is a weird niche group of people who like fire emblem and like koei tecmo um uh, muso games so uh, i'm not really interested in it because i don't like those games but it, it's cool that you know fire emblem is having an involvement in all things it's not just zelda and mario right they're kind of launch fire emblem out there to make it a real brand it seems like it's been around for a while but it's not the marios or the zeldas and i don't think it'll ever be that but I think they're sticking a you know a, a temple in the ground and saying Fire Emblem is a franchise we want to make bigger. So that's cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to say well, about Fire Emblem Warriors. I doubt it strikes either of your fancy. I really wish we just had a fucking Fire Emblem game for launch, like a real you know strategy, full blown RPG on the console. Why is that not a thing? <laughs> like, yeah. Ugh. Speaking of speaking of that, the the next announcement. And this is probably uh, it's it's good and bad news to you because obviously it'll you answer your launch, question. But yeah, Fire Emblem for Nintendo Switch is actually in cur- currently in development. It's going to be coming out. It's planned for a 2018 release, and uh, it's the first console Fire Emblem that's going to be out since 2007's Radiant Dawn for the Wii. Um, which there's your full fledged console Fire Emblem, which I'm excited for. That's a game I definitely want to get. And some people are like, I-, I saw some murmurs of like, it's weird that they're not even showing anything for this. There's no way it's going to come out in 2018. Fire Emblem games aren't very intensive when it comes to making them. They have a really sure. quick turnaround. So I, I don't doubt for a second that, you know, it might not come out in 2018, but I'm not surprised if it does. Like, their development window isn't that long for a, for a Fire Emblem game. So, Also, we don't know how long it's been in development either. Um, so maybe it's just not at the point where they want to show off stuff, you know. Plus, all this other Fire Emblem stuff, there's no point or no need to show it off, right? Um, so... Um, the next announcement here is Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia, which is inspired by Fire Emblem 2, which is Fire Emblem Gaiden. Uh, it comes out May 19th, so it comes out relatively soon. Um, Alm and Celica are the two new main characters for the game, and uh, they have two amiibos that are coming out too that look really awesome, really well done. Uh, this game looks cool. This is a game that I think kind of pads out the Switch and the 3DS. I don't think it's a crazy good game. It looks a little archaic in its controls and stuff like that, but... Well, um, it's just so, 3DS, right? What is it? Yeah, wait. It's, it's eventually coming game? to Switch. Yeah, it's a 3DS game. It's eventually coming to Switch, yeah. Okay. And did yeah. you say this, um, this is a re-release of an older Fire Emblem? No, it's heavily inspired. It's heavily inspired by Gaiden. So, it's, it's kind of like the new uh-huh. Ratchet & Clank. That's the best way to describe it. So, okay. It holds true to the original game, re-anima- but as re-imagining. far as graphics, yeah, essentially, yes. Um, it looks really cool. 
Uh, it mixes 3D ex exploration with the traditional Fire Emblem fighting and um, some new mechanics that were only in Gaiden that kind of made uh, it, it made it really unique in the series. So that looks very interesting. Um, I don't know if it's some, a game I'll pick up because it's not a super traditional Fire Emblem, but it looks really cool. Um, so there's that. Um, so that, the that actually, that's interesting because that was one of my... I couldn't get an answer to that question uh, before I bought Fire Emblem Fates earlier uh, to the question of, like, what is going on between each of those battles? Like, are you exploring a world? Like, what is the deal? And no one seemed to have that answer. It was weird. Um, yeah. But the answer is there's nothing. There's one little tiny hub town, not even a town. It's just your castle that you're in when you're not, you know, going through a cutscene or a battle, and that's it. So. Yeah. I thought, and I thought that was weird. That's actually kind of the part I liked least about the game. I wish you could actually walk around the world. So this act, Dom that actually wants sounds some interesting. Dom wants some environmental exploration, bruh. It's just, it's kind of um, odd when you think about it. Like you're just going from cutscene to cutscene to battle the bat. It's just a weird structure, but yeah, it and the game doesn't look necessarily really good i mean it looks good for a handheld for a 3ds handheld but now that we're in for post switch post switch world it looks kind of rough but at teach their own some people are going to get excited i know i guarantee there's some fire emblem fans out there that gaiden is their favorite game and they're like oh you know it's inspired by it so um the biggest announcement i think for all of us here um is fire emblem heroes which is the mobile game that we've been hearing so much about there was this in development, there's an Animal Crossing, and I believe there's one more. So we still have, don't know what the Animal Crossing mobile game is, and there's Mario, obviously, uh, Super Mario Run. Um, so essentially, this is their mobile game. Uh, it's true to Fire Emblem. It, um, it's 8x6 uh, uh, vertical game, um, traditional Fire Emblem mechanics and gameplay. Uh, also, it's coming out February 2nd in the Direct it stated that it was coming uh, first to Android and iOS soon. About an hour after the Direct, uh, there was a couple interviews that Nintendo held where they essentially said it's actually coming simultaneously everywhere. And they kind of explained that there was just poor messaging on their part um, and they didn't update it or something. But they confirmed that uh, it is coming simultaneously to both on uh, February 2nd. They also, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the game, uh, they actually launched this event, which is Choose Your Hero, which you go to... Uh, the Fire Emblem Heroes website, and you get get to actually choose which hero you feel should be um, promoted when the game comes out. Um, and there's a ton of Fire Emblem characters. There's Marth, Roy, Ike, Lin, uh, Lily, anybody you can think of. If you know Fire Emblem, there's tons of characters that you can vote for um, and share it on social media and stuff like that. So that's a cool little interactive thing to hold people over till the game comes out. Um, but the big stuff here. This is what we need. This is the type of mobile game I need from these Nintendo franchises. I don't, you know, Pokemon Go, I get it. It's a phenomenon or whatever, but I think people would still be playing it if it was essentially a mobile version of, you know, a Pokemon RPG that we're familiar with. Um, yeah. And so this is, you know, a f familiar version of Fire Emblem, but on mobile. And so I'm very excited. Um, this is great. And I've been looking for, I'm not really looking, but like, totally wanting a game like this on mobile as opposed to like these uh super greedy microtransaction games or like you know clash of clans it's just like basic and it's not it's not like real strategy so yeah and i personally don't really like mobile games either um because they feel like mobile games i know it's weird to say but like this game though it is a mobile game it has enough of a connection and gameplay style to a quote-unquote real game that i actually i like the fire emblem games a lot um so it's I think it's going to do solid. And I think this is 
this is closer to the essence of Fire Emblem than Super Mario Run is to Mario, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to go over some features real quick. So it features new and old characters. So there's going to be characters you've never seen before in Fire Emblem that are new to Fire Emblem Heroes, and there's going to be all your traditional characters we've talked about. Um, there's a character star system. So um, characters can be rated 1 to 5 stars, and the higher stars they are, the rarer they are, and the more powerful they are. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but while leveling up your characters, you can upgrade their rarity. So um, you don't have to go super into the microtransactions and try to get you know, a five-star Ike. If you have a two-star Ike and you train him hard enough and you can upgrade him to be a five-star. So you can accomplish anything uh, that you want in-game without spending a single dollar, which is the best way to do microtransactions. Um, the orbs unlock new characters. So there's these orbs, which are these consumables you get, and you use those to buy... Uh, new characters so essentially you'll 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 get a like a roundup of uh, the different elements from fire emblem you know your fire your air um and they'll be on a little thing and you spend your orbs to unlock one um the more orbs you use uh heroes become cheaper and cheaper and the more you get at one time it becomes cheaper and cheaper uh orbs can be earned in game or they can be bought that's a big microtransaction hook of this game you can buy orbs for you know 199 499 yada 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 um and the more characters you unlock, like I said, the lower the amount of orbs you need to use to unlock more heroes is. Uh, so it seems to me, from what we've seen, obviously we won't know until the game actually comes out, they're handling microtransactions right. This is a free-to-play game. They needed a way to make money, and I think they're handling it right. As long as it's balanced correctly with how how quickly you can earn orbs um, versus buying them, I think it's going to be really good. Uh, I know you were recently introduced to the Fire Emblem series uh how excited are you for this, Dom? Do you think the macro-transactions are, are, are being, you know, serviced correctly? Like, w what's your thoughts on this? It sounds like it could work, because I was worried at first when you first said free-to-play. I thought, oh, it's probably going to be some garbage, whereas, although I don't like the look of Super Mario Run, I like the pricing structure they went with. But this sounds a lot more like Fallout Shelter, if you remember that, where yeah, you can play the, the game. The boxes. Right, you can play the game, and you can at no point feel like you ever have to buy anything. Like, you... The game actually, that particular example, it's better if you don't buy anything. Um, apparently, people complain when they bought the lunchboxes too much. It, you know, the game became too easy too quickly, and then it kind of just fizzled out because you had done everything, I guess. Um, but I thought that that was perfect because I never bought any of those lunchboxes, and it never felt like I had to. It never felt like they were just trying to, you know, grind me into. By dropping a dollar for one of those so i think that's what this sounds like and hopefully that's the case but this game in general i'm really excited for this because it's like it's one it's another perfect nintendo franchise for a mobile game the only one better i think is going to be animal crossing which is perfect for mobile um and i hope that shapes up to kind of what i want it to be too but yeah this fire emblem, fire emblem heroes i'm excited and it's coming out in just a couple weeks now so yeah, and also the great thing is, is it mixes like two things that people love about Fire Emblem's art, which is the sprites, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as the very anime, really beautiful art too. Right. I think it's yeah. really well made. So uh, I think Agreed. we're all on board, right? I think we're all super stoked. I mean, yeah, it's free. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Hopefully it's good. Um, it's going to be a mobile game. Please be excited for E3. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, we're actually going to be talking about uh, Pit People. It's currently released in early access, not a full release yet. It's the fourth game from Behemoth. Uh, they made Alien Hominid HD. They made Castle Crashers. They made Battle Block Theater, which are all really well 
put together games and well like they were very well critically received um, I don't know how how well Battle Block Theater sold, but I know it got very good critical reviews. Castle Crashers was like a phenomenon during Summer of Arcade for Xbox 360, uh, and Alien Hominid. A lot of people like that game too. Um, Pit People is really good. Uh, so the way, where this falls in the timeline is after they finished Castle Crashers, they started actually working on this game and developing this game. Um, it's a turn-based adventure game. Uh, it's the deepest game Behemoth's ever made. Um, so it has the humor that Behemoth has. If you played a Behemoth game, you know their humor is very um, not afraid to be childish at times, but very, very self-reverential as well. Like, they make fart jokes. They also make fourth wall breaking jokes. Like, they're not afraid to just be funny, you know? They're not afraid to make dumb jokes either, which is great. Um, like I said, the art, it's a cartoon style with the whites mixed with the very bright colors. It actually has an equipment-based system in it as well. So you have these fighters, this party that you bring together. If you've ever played a turn-based RPG, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you get these new characters. They all have their pros and cons to the weapons they use. And you find really cool and awesome weapons that are like giant swords or awesome shields. But you also find the weird ones like a crocodile sword or like a, a wrench. Like there's, it, you know, it's it's humorous, it's fun. Um, like I said, this is the deepest game that Behemoth's ever made. I loved Battle Block Theater Castle Crashers. They're very arcadey. They're not very deep. They're long games, don't get me wrong, but the actual substance of the game isn't very deep. Very simple mechanics. This game, it's as deep as you want it to be. Um, the main character is named Horatio. He's a blueberry farmer. Uh, at the beginning of the game, it kind of, in joking Behemoth fashion, when you play a turn-based tactics game, uh, there's markings on the floor of areas you can move, right? And it's usually split by either hexagons or squares. And immediately at the beginning of this game, they, they talk about a giant bear that's in space hitting this planet, crashing into it, and basically realigning all of the tectonic plates in the, on the planet into little hexagon shapes. So it kind of just gives you an explanation as to why your characters move like that. Uh, and it's Ain't broken that a up bitch like when that? that happens? It, right. crashes into your um, world and then... All the continents are hexagon. That's ah, oh, it's just so annoying. Uh, so yeah, the main character is Horatio. He's a he's a blueberry farmer. He has a a wooden fence as a shield and a a hoe. Uh, I if I remember correctly, as his main weapon. Um, Jared, this is a family show here. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a family show. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh god. Uh, I don't want to spoil the beginning of the game because there's some really funny things that you don't expect to happen happen. I definitely don't want to spoil that for anybody. But uh, you meet some other characters. This Pip Estrella, who's a princess character. Her dad is Pop Estrella. Uh, you meet her in a castle. A lot of they do a lot of cliche stuff on purpose because it's just funny that way, and then they twist it on its head. Um, there's other characters that I ran into that I'll tell you guys about. So there was uh, Sophia, who's a pirate with a French accent. Uh, she actually has a net that she uses that's part of a mechanic I'll tell you guys about uh, a little bit from now. There is Yosef, who's a guy who's made up of two cyclopses, which <laughs> is hard. To, so he looks like a normal guy, but he was essentially two cyclopses that merged together to make a normal guy, which is kind oh of like humorous. Oh, my God. Like, we're going to merge together to make a normal-looking guy. Uh, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um the game's called Pit People, and one of the big draws of the game... So you move around on, like, a hub world, and there's these little cities you can enter. Um, I've only entered one so far. I'm only about an hour and a half into the game. And in the hub city, there's basically a home area, where that's where you go to equip your characters with their their items, like I told you guys about. Um, there's a market, where you can spend your gold that you're in for battling and stuff on items and such. And there's a pit. And what the pit is, is essentially, it's a coliseum. So you go in there, and it throws you a random situation. 
uh, with random characters you have to fight. And that's your earned gold. That's also the multiplayer hook. That's where you play people in multiplayer, is you enter the pit. So uh, that's why it's called Pit People. Um, I'm not too familiar with everything you can do in the pit. Like I said, I'm only about an hour and a half in, and I've only messed around at the pit a little bit. But it's really good. The rewards are really, really good as well. Um, you earn a decent amount of gold from what I've seen that how the prices are in the market. Um, they also have an item versus system where like some items are good against other items so anything that's a hammer or a bludgeoning item is good against characters with helmets and actually boosts your damage uh, which is which is really cool um, so earlier I was telling you guys about that pirate who has the net there's a really cool mechanic in the game so it's usually it's you have I have four people in my party right now and you can run into in a tactics game you can run into anywhere between like one person or like 10 enemies right um and one of the mechanics in this game is it'll when you get into a battle it'll have all the enemies and it'll have one person that you can potentially capture to be part of your party the problem is is that they don't differentiate it from an enemy meaning that you can accidentally damage them as well um part of the gameplay in this is it's not like a traditional tactics game where you choose who you attack the character chooses based on distance so that lends into the strategy of you need to make sure to move your characters in such a fashion that you don't accidentally kill the guy that you could potentially make part of your party um so it, it adds an extra level of the game of you needing to pay attention to where you're moving your characters and strategy uh, and the first character that you could you get introduced to this is you're going across a bridge and there's a cupcake a character that's actually a healer uh and uh, it's a, actually a trap, and you get attacked by guys, and you have to make sure to try to kill them and save the save the cupcake. Spoilers! Uh, spoilers. He's called Gluten the Healer, which is really funny. Uh, <laughs> so every time you, you're introduced to new characters, they have this notebook that's kind of like the information hub for everything in the game. And it's not like a normal information hub. It actually looks like an OG notebook with hand drawings in it and some of them are really funny like the one for the cupcake he has like a very like i don't know if you guys have ever seen spongebob but you know the handsome squidward face that's like really jarring and weird he has like that kind of face that's sketched into the book um it, it's just it's really funny the humor is throughout the game um i don't think there's anything else to talk about as far as that like i said i'm only about an hour and a half in but it's definitely behemoth's best game and deepest game uh i don't know if you guys have any familiarity with the behemoth games at all um, just castle um, crashers just castle crashers so you're a little bit familiar with their humor then right jordan um yeah it's it's really funny but i really hope that people don't see this as just a funny arcade game because it is their deepest game um it's their 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 best game in my opinion castle crashers is phenomenal but uh pit people is really good and it's really deep and i really hope that people who love like final fantasy tactics and fire emblem can look past the humor that's a great addition to it but see that's actually a really good game too and don't think it's just like a kitty throwaway you know yeah. um it's it's a really solid game like i said i don't want to dive deep into the game until the full release is out uh just because that's how i feel about early access games is i don't want to play up until the point where it's like hey it's still an early access come back later for the rest of the game um so I just played as much as I could to give a very solid preview, and I'm gonna wait till the actual game releases. But uh, yeah, I really, I really like this game. It's available on PC as well as Xbox One. So if you don't have an Xbox One, definitely get it on PC. I doubt it takes a lot to run this game. Um, it's not graphics intensive or anything like that. So if you have a laptop that's not necessarily a gaming laptop, look into the specs and see if you could possibly run it. But um, yeah, I really, I think this is Castle Crashers was phenomenal. But it was really seen as like an arcadey indie game. I think this is Behemoth's foray into like very deep games, if that makes sense. 
Um, it sucks that it's console exclusive too, because I really think that you guys would like it on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really think if you own an Xbox or you're on a PC when this game comes out, or if you want to get early access, it's totally up to you. Uh, you can make your decisions as a consumer. Um, I, I it's it's a great game, and I can't wait for people to play it. So I'll eventually review it when the full release comes out. But that was just kind of my um, spiel. On do you guys have any questions regarding the preview? Did I answer? most of it anything weird yeah i think you did and it sounds like a cool game i'm excited for it do they is it out of the question that it'll ever be on playstation uh well behemoth i think is a third-party studio that's signed exclusively with microsoft so yeah. i don't see it coming um but because castle it's crashers PC. is that even on ps3 i don't think it is i don't think so no um so yeah, but if you have a PC, definitely check it out. And like I said, it's not a graphics-intensive game, so you don't need to buy a gaming laptop for it. I wouldn't think. Check your specs. Figure it out. <clears throat> You'd be surprised, like, what regular old laptops can do. Um, yeah. Like, you can play, like, Battlefield 4 on, like, a Surface Pro. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like, they're kind of impressive, actually. But yeah, besides exactly. Um, yeah, speaking, speaking of... Uh, of, of games I don't have a segue for this uh, dumb speaking uh, of video games <laughs> we were actually yeah speaking of video games on this video game podcast we were actually going to do this last week but because of all the switch news and having our guest Caleb we kind of decided to hold up to this week what are we going to be talking about this week Telltale's Walking Dead the new season or- 3 episodes 1 and 2 is it a new frontier or the new frontier I believe a it's new a fr- new frontier. A new frontier is the name of the season. The new frontier is the name of the group. Spoilers! Now that we're into it, that yeah. is uh, uh, so, part yeah, of it. This is this is going to be a complete spoiler discussion. Yes. We're going to talk about everything. Skip 10, 10 minutes forward in the podcast if you want to get to topic three. I'll also have a skip to you on the actual YouTube video. Um, so yeah, we're going to be getting to spoilers. Started off dumb. All right, I freaking loved it. Two episodes. I know it's we're not done, but. Oh, there's probably the best two episodes of a Telltale game I've played yet. Let's start there. Are you guys in agreement with that? Yeah, I yes. think I think I talked a lot about it last week about how I think this is already their best game, and they've just gotten a lot sharper with their storytelling and um, gotten just there's just so much talent there as far as storytelling goes. So um, when that is the focal point of the game, that that shows that this is their best so far. I also think that uh, Javi was the, outside of Clem and Lee, the quickest character for me to like, hands down. Yeah, um, agreed. The way they introduced him, I think, was great. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I loved Clem, I loved Lee. I liked season two, um, but I don't think any of the characters they've ever introduced since Clem and Lee have really hooked me the way Javi did. Oh, yeah. Um, there's been so many zombie origin stories of how people get introduced to zombies, and I thought this was not necessarily super new, but a refreshing take on it in a very creepy, eerie way. Um, yeah. I'd I like to nice zero re- in on the beginning if we could. Yeah, okay. let's do it. That's what I want. Really quick, I just want to say I like the representation of a Latino family. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, there was that Latino family in the Walking Dead TV show, and then they promptly left the group, if you guys remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I like seeing that Season because obviously... One. Uh, I, I have uh, Hispanic heritage, so it was nice to see. But, yeah, what do you exactly want to talk about, Jordan? Um, actually, I w- did just want to mention, since you were bringing that up, uh, there's a Latino family that's a big part of uh, Fear the Walking Dead to this day. So um, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, 
and uh, season two of that show actually takes place in Mexico. So, anywho, um, the beginning of this game is, like I said last week, Mass Effect 2 and Walking Dead Season 3 have some of the best game beginnings of any game I've ever played. Maybe the, maybe the top two, period. Um, like, the way this game begins and it lulls you into this... Um, kind of false sense of security and you're okay with everything that's going on of course um you can figure out pretty early on that uh this is before the um the uh, you know apocalypse happens uh, because at the very beginning Javi's running he's talking about just being a traffic jam so you can tell that like you know society's still going and then um, he gets there apparently right after his dad dies and his brother's really pissed because he, he wasn't around for the family enough, it seems like. And then um, you're kind of just like sitting with this family as they deal with this grief and then all of a sudden the girl, the granddaughter, decides to take a glass of water to her granddad and they're like, no, no, he's asleep, he's, he's gone or whatever. And she's like, no, he's not, he's awake. And they're like, no, he's asleep, like, trying to, like, be nice about it or whatever. And then she's like, no, he's awake. And you're like, oh, shit, the dude's <laughs> a fucking zombie. And then they just have no idea what the fuck is going on. So they think, like, at first it's really cool because the older brother goes up and he's like, thank God, you know, like, you've come back, father, or whatever. He's talking in Spanish to him, and then uh, he's, like, trying to eat his son's face off, so... <laughs> He uh, eventually gets a bite out of, uh, well, he it does, you do see a bite on that son, but um, he also bites the mom's face, uh, the grandma, and um, yeah, shit just goes down. It just gets so intense, and it's really cool how they bring you into that situation and how they introduce it, and like you but said, Jared, it, it's a really fresh take. As soon yeah. as that scene ends, on a real like sharp note, it cuts forward. Like yeah. time way jump. forward in time, yeah. which was just perfect because right. we've seen that all, you know, like yeah. that initial moment, they did it so well, even though we've seen that a couple of times in shows yeah. and other games, but we, that, you know, that aftermath, like we've seen that so many times that I, I love the way they cut forward and then reconnected uh, with Clementine's story, who, by the way, I don't think we mentioned, you're not ever playing as Clementine so far. Yeah. No, you do. You go, there's the flashback flashbacks. with right. Jane. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. If that's your story. Oh, oh I'm glad yeah. you bring that up. So, <laughs> I, I, if you guys remember, when I finished Season 2, I played it on a PC, first of all, so there was no uh, carrying my save over because now I'm on PlayStation 4. But oh, that sucks. No, I'm happy because I I was so mad like with the choice I had made at the end of Season 2 and choosing to go with Jane instead of Kenny. I was just like, ah, oh, I just felt gross. What? So I'm glad I got to Kenny's start over. Kenny's a fucking asshole by the end of season two. I no, agree Kenny with you, Jordan. was my man. Jane is a creepy, manipulative... <laughs> the fuck is C-U-N-T. wrong with you, dog? Kenny's her. a piece of shit. <laughs> by the Kenny end of was great. Two, Kenny's a piece of shit, and Jane, what is she like? She doesn't tell you something? She's an evil this? mastermind. Anyway, She just doesn't being. tell you something about um, the her baby or whatever? Yeah. Anyway... Yeah. Point being, I got to redo those choices, basically. Um, and that wow. were... Of course, though, like I expected, it didn't matter who you ultimately picked because they will go away because they have to... So, question. They can't have, like, a thousand branching stories, right? 
Yeah, this is all spoilers. So for the Jane storyline, she hangs herself. She kills herself. It's super fucked up, dude. Yeah. Wow. She's got, Penny. You've got this baby with you, and she's like, hey, can you take care of the baby for a second? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then you go to check on her, and she just hangs there. It's like, fuck. Yeah, that's a Jane thing to do. Anyway. Weapon with Kenny. Wow! Kenny, wow! No, Kenny. That was so insensitive! <laughs> <laughs> Kenny sacrifices himself so you can get away with the baby. Like, you're driving in a car and you get in an accident and Kenny goes flying through the windshield. Yeah, well, fuck Kenny and his stupid hick family. Uh, he was a piece of <laughs> shit by the end of season two. And, anyway, I just I thought it was cool. Duck. Get your stupid ass out of here, that piece of shit son of his. Yeah, I did not Jane like Duck, though. Day, you're right about I feel, Duck. I felt so bad when Jane killed herself because... Like, that's the thing is, like, it's weird because it kind of would have worked better if Jane had killed herself in Season 2 because there's a lot of stuff that she's dealing with in Season 2 that I can still remember, but it was more effective, you know, when it was all going down. So if she had done that right at the end of Season 2, I think that would have been cool, but it does, you know, obviously bring a big hook for people who have transferred their saves or loaded up the decisions. Really quick, let's let's just go over the rest of it really, really, really quick. So basically, you start out uh, your Javi, and yeah, you kind of you see the friction between him and his brother early on, and then it presumably they get split up, and his brother dies. While you know before that, and actually I forgot to point out before the apocalypse actually happens, there's kind of this thing going on between Javi and his brother's wife. Um, yeah, but you don't know I, that. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's, that's it's kind of fl- it's kind of like there's a little bit of flirtation there. There's slight no, 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 no. At the beginning of episode one, you see the bit with the grandpa, and that's it. And they don't have any interactions, but like, hey, what's up? And then you see the flashback. Oh, yeah, it's the later cut cut back. Yeah, you're right. Later on, you have a flashback where they're having the conversation. She gets her hand cut at the sink. Yeah, and then right. okay. fucking his brother's so pissed about the glass that his sergeant gave him, like Jesus. Christ. And all right, this was the first time that it's ever happened to me in a Telltale game. Other games make this mistake a lot, but I picked a dialogue choice, and Javi says something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Then do you guys know what I'm talking about? Did you have that? Yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. Where he's yeah. when like, uh, you tell off the brother, like, but then yeah, you're like, t- go ahead and tell off the brother, and then he goes. Right. She doesn't even love you. She wants to leave with me. Yeah. It's like, I was Whoa. like, I didn't say that. What the fuck? Whoa. Question. Do you guys like Kate as a character? I just wrote down I don't like Kate one bit. Yeah, she's... Uh. I think she's... Um, I'm liking uh, the other chick. Uh, Eleanor? 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 Yeah, that's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about... Oh, yeah, man. Um, oh, that's I, my that's my chick for real, dude. I love uh, I love the moment totally romancing her as opposed to Kate. <laughs> I love a, the moment you have a chance to kiss Kate when she, when you save her, right? And then I was like, yeah, oh, dude, Eleanor is standing right there, bro. <laughs> yeah, I might, I don't know if I had that. I don't anyway, no, I I option, absolutely. Jared? Yeah, I got that option. I love the moment where you're with Clementine and she's just getting in a, a bit of a tussle with some uh like traitor i guess and she's pointing a gun at his head and ultimately accidentally shoots this guy in the head yeah because and he it's sold so her, awkward i think wet bullets and so right. they weren't yeah, firing in and so in the city you get to yeah right yeah right. and but so she's just, uh pointing the gun at his head like you didn't even these bullets don't even fucking work so why are you nervous and keeps pulling the trigger and then eventually it goes off right i just thought it was so perfect because that's the sort of thing that would happen a lot just accidents and weird like 
Nothing is scripted and just awkward, especially yeah. when everyone is so cavalier about carrying guns and giving kids their guns and things like that. Yeah, like there yeah. would be a lot more accidents, and they don't, they, you don't see it as much in the TV show and stuff like that. So I like the way they handled that, tossed Definitely. that in there. Yeah. Um, so you speed up through the game. You start off with Javi in a van. We don't need to explain the whole summary of it, but you end up at right. a junkyard where you're trying to get gasoline. Uh, you end up running into the, Wait, this group of I wanna, bad guys. I want to ask: Did you guys smoke weed with Kate in the van? No. Oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I course. did. The kids are fucking yeah. asleep and the windows are down. Hell yeah. No. Dude, if it's um, the apocalypse, I'm lighting the fuck up, man. Oh, so, man. Um, you get to a, a junkyard and you're trying to find gasoline. This group comes and there's an altercation. And uh, you, you essentially get split up from the group and you end up going back to Prescott where you're introduced to Eleanor Tripp, the big burly man that runs the city. Used uh, you... you um, in between these two parts is when you get introduced to Clem, like we talked about, uh, and you both go to go to Prescott together. Uh, then you end up going back on a rescue mission to go find your family, and you end up saving them. Um, but the end of episode one happens, and did that guys take you guys by surprise when the little girl gets shot in the head? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, oh, shit. I guess you, you watch Walking Dead, the show, but you don't, Jared. Um, Dom, you've seen where, uh... Axel? No, what's her name? The... Denise. The lesbian Debbie? doctor? Yeah, she just takes an arrow. She, uh, no, but nowhere. hers is crazy, dude, because she's going, I don't know why you guys don't, and then it hits her in the head, and then she keeps talking, and it's... Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. so, like, it's so spine-tingly when she's still talking after right. there's an arrow in her head. And I'm like, ugh. And so that that's what that reminded me of. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the head shooting, that, that was crazy because, like, I thought they were they were playing it up to, like, get you worried and then not get you worried when they were saying, like, uh, hopefully we all make it back, you know. And they're like, hey, shut up. We're not back yet. And then Dude. I was like, oh, they're just playing on that. And then she gets shot in the head. And I'm like, As so. soon as she died, I was like, well, how did I not notice that? Because yeah, they were going to keep one of the kids, but clearly she's like oh look at this tape cassette and you keep you're finding her pieces when you're getting back to rescue them and it's like clearly they're making this big emotional connection she's useless like she's not gonna scrap anything for you she's not gonna kill any zombies so yeah they're gonna just blow she's her not head even off. a source so, of conflict either the kid yeah. at least the boy is a source of conflict yeah so yeah. and after that um you end up kind of like in this co- conflict more or less at this point with this other group who you eventually have to just go to their place because Kate is sick or injured. I can't – she got shot. So Kate then, gets shot and you send uh, – um, what's the boy's name? Omar? Gabe. 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 So you send Gabe to take him or take her uh, back to town with Eleanor so that they can get actual medical attention and you decide. Well, I guess you, you make can a decision. Choose. I chose yeah. to stay with Clementine and Same. Uh, have the shootout because, you know – that's oh right i guess we're running through this story so we'll probably continue with that i want to stop here clementine is fucking awesome in this game yeah clementine is such a fucking badass and i love it because that's her story arc like it makes total sense it makes sense that she's a lone wolf it makes sense that um you know when she's this like mousy ass little tiny thing in season one um, not even like 10 years old and Lee teaches her how to shoot and you're thinking now she's like you know probably pushing 
like 15-ish years old, you're like, oh, yeah, dude, she's got this shit down. And it totally makes sense. And I just love the way that they present her character. She's like, uses curse words and, you know, is clearly good with a gun. And then, you know, wasn't even freaked out when she shot the dude in the head about over the bullets. She was just like, hey, can you cover me on this, uh, these people rushing so in to, to ask the, about the what happened. You know, she's the, like, the problem you've got to tell them that it was an accident. And I'm like, damn, you're a badass. <laughs> the, the problem with this, though, and, I, and I'm, they know this, but when you do have to make that choice between going with Clem and going with your family, Javi doesn't know Clem, but you, the player, do. Yeah. So there's kind of that dissonance where, like, well, Javi probably wouldn't go with Clem, but like you're pointing out, yeah, Clem is awesome, and we know her from the last two seasons, so probably most people went with Clem, even though Javi would never have done that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think you, they had to defend themselves. They, like, they couldn't just run away without shooting at those well, guys. at least the choice is different when you have played two seasons of Clem, right? Sure. That's all. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can agree with that, yeah. So... After that conflict where the girl gets shot and then you decide if you want to go with them to the city or hold off and fire back, you end up getting back to the city, depending on what you choose, things will, a little bit of things will happen differently. Um, but the guy who actually runs the, the, the bar or the store where Clem shoots that guy by accident, his wife ends up becoming um, a hostage. So the other group that you return fire with actually rolls up on Prescott and you have exchange words a little bit and they tell you that she actually got captured. Um, and earlier in the game, you see her riding in on a horse and almost, he's like, one of these days you're going to get captured or something's going to so happen. By, by this time, we also know that these this group is called the New Frontier. Yes. Also, really quick, earlier when you meet Clementine, did you choose to shoot the guy or like yeah. attack the guy or did you let him go? I shot the guy because in situations like that, in apocalyptic situations like this uh, game takes place in, fuck that. That guy, if I don't shoot him, is going to come back and rape all my women and kill yeah. all my children and like, I shot yeah, him no way. So, uh, so eventually they roll up on Prescott. They have Francine as a hostage. You choose how to actually talk to them. If you want to fire first, if you want to negotiate, I shot. They end up, yeah, they end up cutting off her finger. It gets hectic. There ends up being a firefight. Um, then essentially you guys have to leave Prescott, a group of you guys, um, and you end up traveling through. You get caught underneath. They this barrel passage. through the. They barrel through the front door and uh, zombies yeah. get into Prescott. You meet Jesus. Yeah. Gets overrun. And I, you get split up. It's you, Javi, and then Clem goes with the white-haired guy that's got his hair pulled back. Uh, Trip. Trip, yeah. So Clem goes with Trip and Javi and Eleanor and Kate and Gabe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you end up uh, getting stuck uh, below this passageway, and zombies are crowding around. You guys don't know what to do. So you end up climbing on top of this building. Uh, you end up seeing this weird, mysterious figure. So you actually sneak up behind him. Uh, come to find out when you put the gun to him, it's Jesus from The Walking Dead show in the comic, I believe. Ooh, Is he from the comic? He's from the comic, and that's what I really wanted to talk about. I love how they've done Clem, but oh my gosh. So uh, Jesus is originally from the comic. He just got onto the TV show within the last year. And this is so such a better adaptation of, of Jesus from the comic. This is the uh, likeness, the look of him. Uh, what I imagine the voice would be like is perfect. This voice actor is spot the fuck on. Um, and so this, like, the guy on the TV show is a good actor, but he's like a short, blonde British guy, which he's doing an American accent, but he's 
a short blonde guy with blue eyes and Jesus is a tall, dark and handsome type of dude, you know? So it's like, he just, this guy, uh, does a great job with the voice acting and they nailed the comic version of the character. Now, uh, reminder, this, the Walking Dead game that Telltale does takes place in the comic universe. And so that's why they did that. And I love, uh, love that because it could have been kind of just a loose adaptation like the show, but they, I felt like they really nailed it. So I like that a lot. Um, one, one instance being where he jumps off the wall and kicks a walker. That's a big thing in the comics. Um, is that he's like, he's a, just like kind of like an action Parkour. hero. He's, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like an action hero, but really a big thing is his boots and he's just like kicking the shit out of walkers all over the place. And they really don't like call to that in the show. And so it was cool to see him like jump off of this wall in the, in a game that's really not like action oriented. So, um, actually the group that attacked you and the group that you returned fire with and they eventually tore down Prescott, they, you come to find out that they're actually called the New Frontier, hence the name of the game. Um, but that's, you, I, you find out way earlier. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying we didn't clarify that. I'm saying that we didn't clarify that during this discussion. Sure. Um, so after you beat Jesus. I mentioned it when they came to the, with, with, uh, the girl that they cut the finger off of. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you end up going through this tunnel, uh, trying to escape the zombies with, after you meet Jesus and, uh, this train actually. And, um, the girl who gets kidnapped, her, her husband, um, uh, Francine's husband, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he, he's ca- kind of getting weird with you. Clem actually ends up telling you that she was once part of the new frontier. Uh, and then that, uh, a cutscene ensues, um, where she's like with the baby and the baby's crying and she actually is hidden in this little like hut thing and a member of the new frontier actually like you can choose the letter in or not. And you talk to her and she tells you you're part of the new, that she's part of the new frontier and they can help you with the kid and that kind of stuff. Um, and then after that cutscene happens, uh, apparently that guy overheard and you basically have to make a decision. I don't remember what's the decision exactly either to let him have either to have Clem leave or stay. Right. He says she can't come with us. Right. Um, right. I think that's yeah. the decision. And then he, he pulls the gun. And so you're either, you're basically killing him or not is the decision. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. So I killed him. I yeah, think I you guys him. are the same thing. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to make the distinction, uh, Clem had, talk to you about being uh, involved with the new frontier earlier, but she acted like she was there, uh, not under her own free will. And then, so yeah, right at that moment, she pulls up her sleeves and shows you the tattoo. And so tells you like, no, I was actually involved with the group, um, based on my own choice. Yeah. And, uh, what happens next is you guys come out of the tunnel. Uh, you're trying to get to Richmond, uh, which is this this kind of like quote unquote safe havenish area um, that also is run by the New Frontier, um, and Jesus is rolling with you. You come to the gates of of uh, Richmond. Uh, you have a discussion with them of like, do you drop your guns? Do you don't? Eventually, the gates open, and the guy who we assume runs Richmond walks out. And who is it, Jordan? Who is it? None other than. Um. Shit, I'm totally drawing a blank. Javi's brother. Javier's, Javi's older yeah, Javi's brother from the brother. beginning of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's really quick. Obviously, that was a good twist. I didn't see it coming in. It was that jaw drop moment. But here's why it was really good, and I'm really excited moving forward because you know exactly what it feels like and what I can tell is going to happen is the Rick and Shane thing 
the first two seasons of the show, sure. which were the best two seasons of the show, that conflict was fantastic. And okay, I can see this going the in that same direction. Phone, Dom. Season one and t- okay, gosh, season two is terrible, Dom. <laughs> it's the best season. Season two when they're just sitting with their thumbs up their asses on that fucking farm. Yeah. God, that's so bad. Yeah, pretty much, because they're waiting for Carl to get healed, and then they're waiting because Find the um, fucking they're looking for Sophia, and she's in the barn the whole time. Herschel's got him locked up there because well, he thinks he can I, heal walkers. I agree that nothing really happens, but there is a good amount of character development, especially yeah. with Rick and Shane. That, that um, conflict is the best. I would say seasons three through five are just way better than anything um, one or two. Yeah, well, this isn't a this isn't a TV show discussion, but uh, <laughs> we I had to stop. I, I'm sorry, but I had to stop there. Like season two, <laughs> um, whoa, boy. Well, I think the interesting thing that's gonna, like you said, it draws a lot of parallels to that. Is that I think Gabe's gonna be a huge part of the story of you trying to pull him away from acting like his dad. Uh, and trying to teach him right from wrong, and also the relationship with Kate, which I don't care about. Yeah. She can be with him because I want Eleanor, so I could care less. You can whatever. Um, See, I'm gonna try to be with her though, just to drum up that conflict because that's what, that's how I want this story to go. Yeah. So uh, super uh, interesting. I I didn't see the twist coming. Honestly, I was like, whoa. So drawing back a loop, uh, the part where you're like sitting at that gas station, and uh, Kate and Eleanor are in that car and. Uh, you're separated from them, and the zombies start swarming the car, and then you eventually rescue them. Uh, when you rescue Kate from the car, if you did smoke weed with her in the van in the beginning, you can you have an extra dialogue option. She's like, gosh, I could really use something to take the edge off right now because she's been shot. And you're like, I think you smoked the whole stash, Kate. <laughs> so it's, okay. it's a nice little uh, callback. Um... Yeah, we're actually going to have another topic, but we're running a little long here, so I think we'll save that for next week. Um, but that was our talk about A New Frontier. I think we're all excited for Episode 3. Hopefully it comes up by the end of this month or early next month. Uh, oh, it should be for sure this month. Yeah. They do, they, they're doing month by month now, Telltale is, right? Yeah, yeah I th- they're trying to anyways, yeah. Um, I, I don't know how it works from December to January, though, just because there's that big holiday break and stuff like that. But and they did give yeah, us two. It, yeah, yeah, also we did just have the double. That's true. Um, yes, yeah, so those are talk about Walking Dead and New Frontier. We're all excited to finish that season. Um, I like, you know, season one they had Glenn too, so I like when they introduce the characters from other mediums too because it makes it a little bit more authentic, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to just be talking about what, we, what we're going to be playing for the coming week. Um, I don't have anything, like, super planned. Uh, Banner Saga and... I'll figure out what else I want to play. Probably, I like Pit People's good, but like I said, I don't want to play any more of it until the full release, personally. Um, so I don't know what else I'm going to jump into yet, but definitely Banner Saga. I'm going to look to finish that up uh, this week and uh, watch some more Black Mirror. I'm like five episodes into Black Mirror. Oh, so probably finish noise, noise. Um, so good. Yeah. Uh, what are you guys going to be playing? Um, Bioshock DLC. I'm going to keep going through that. And I grabbed a little gem for the Vita. A forgotten, highly underrated game. Well, that remains to be seen. Called Latter. Gravity Rush. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate. Yeah, m- hmm. I'm pretty sure that game was critically panned, so I don't know if uh, <laughs> if I would say no, it's I a know. hidden I was, gem. I was just kinda... I think 
by critically acclaimed, he means the critic being dumb. So. <laughs> no, I mean, it was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand uh, what it is. I think it'll still be fun, though, just because it's a Batman. I mean, it's 2D, um, but it's still the same kind of combat system as the Arkham Knight game, or the Arkham games on consoles, but... I'm sure that'll be about as good as it gets, but I'm excited to play it. It'll be fun. Uh, also, big thing, you just spoke about Batman. In the Injustice tra- uh, 2 trailer, we didn't talk about the Robin he was fighting was Damien, his son, which is pretty cool. Father beating up oh. the hell out of his son. So that was interesting. We completely did forgot about that. Did they confirm that? that? What, how did you know y- that? Yeah. Uh, in the trailer, when he talks, he says, uh, and his son, and then it shows Robin come out, and then he fights him. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is um, dope. Yeah, it is really cool. Uh Jordan, what are you going to be playing, watching, reading? <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I didn't play anything this past week, so I'll definitely... We're going to be trying to talk about uh, Batman Telltale next week, so I'll finish that up and uh, definitely um, feeling the itch for more Mass Effect, so I'll get back to that. And then uh, continue reading uh, Assassin's Apprentice. Ooh, excuse me? And... Um, yeah. <laughs> um, also, I'm uh, getting close to finishing season two of Sword Art Online. Um, so watching that, and I also started uh, Death Note, the anime. Um, I had like started the first episode a year or so ago, so I've never really seen the series. And um, so far, so cool. It's about this guy who finds a notebook uh, that a demon dropped into the world, and if you write someone's name and the cause of death, if you want to, you can kill these people without anyone knowing. And so he decides to go on this like rampage where he's um, trying to be almost like a superhero with it, where he's like only killing you know the world's criminals. And then, um, of course, it's such a big power that it ends up kind of corrupting Consuming him and him. goes from there. Yeah, so um, very cool anime, very cool concept. It's supposed to have a Netflix adaptation this year. Uh, with Willem Dafoe as the demon, so we'll see how that goes. And starring um, the kid from uh, Paper Towns, uh, the tall, lanky kid. He's from a bunch of other stuff, too. No um, idea. He's going to be the main protagonist kid. I've watched the first two episodes of Death Note. I need to get back on it. Also, have you ever seen Parasite? I have not, or heard of that it. That show uh, is super... You've never heard of Parasite? So I think that's on Netflix, too, or maybe something else. Essentially, this alien thing comes down. There's aliens, and they attach to people, and they want to kill other parasites. Is and that the one, the anime where people's heads split open? Yeah, with it's the awesome. big teeth. I've yeah. seen I've seen references to that, and I've also seen they uh, did a live action version of that, and the live action version of their heads splitting open is fucking crazy. Yeah, so it basically seeds itself in a uh, human and it overtakes their whole body. What happens with this kid is it crawls into his arm at night and he notices it, so he ties his arm. So it basically gets stuck in his hand, so it can only transform his hand. There's also another one that gets stuck in a dog, which is really funny. Um, but it's really cool. I'm like two or three episodes into that, and that one's super dope. So I'm yeah, glad you're watching anime, Jared. I've always been a fan of anime. I just, like I said, it's with any, not just anime, with anything. I'm very bad at watching it. Like, I'm like... Three episodes in Attack on Titan. I finished uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, like I like anime. It's just with any medium outside of video games, I'm really bad at like getting through them. You know, so I need you to get down for the that. dubs or the subs. Uh, I like dubs personally, but I know yeah. I yeah, whatever. I think there's there's sometimes more intricate detail that you miss out on. You know, just how translation works. But 
I think I agree. It's anime's come so far and gotten so popular. Like the English voice actors that work on it are really good now. So it's kind of if you're you know an English speaker by nature, it's almost kind of dumb to miss out. You know, if it was twenty years ago when you're like buying VHSs and the the English dub yep. is like. Wow! I guess we go through that door now, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't want to fuck with that. But now it's like kind of just dumb not to. Agreed. Uh, so thank you guys for listening or watching episode forty-three of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, you can find us at Twitter C Terrell I N T. I am at Jared underscore Dom is at Dom's Oreos and Jordan is at Melamotus. We're at sixty-five subscribers, which is cool. I set a lot of goals for myself and for Controlled Interest, and my one-month goal was sixty subs, and we passed that already with 11, 12 days to go. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, definitely, you know, share us if you can with people. We want to hit hundred subs to get that custom URL and so forth. Uh, look out for my Pit People early access preview that I'm going to be writing for the site coming later this week. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. I have a couple of things in the works, but I don't want to really talk about it yet for controlled interests. Uh, yeah. Other than that, any, any closing words, guys? Keep it saucy. Catch you guys in episode 44. Bye.